This is episode number 31 of Hebrews in Exile with Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. Redeemed. Are you really redeemed? And do you really know what you're redeemed from? Is there some type of specific criteria or specific sins that you can pinpoint and say, I have been redeemed from those sins? Well, we're going to open Pandora's box and delve right into the issue of redemption and what it means to the modern day Hebrew in exile as we are dispersed all over the four corners of the world. Stay tuned. This is going to be informative. Hebrews in exile, you know what we do. Let's go. This is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And this is Hebrews in, in exile. exile. You know, there is a question, or there are statements that are always made across the street, as we call it, from the Christian narrative concerning salvation. Now, we kind of touched on this a little bit. Mm in our podcast that we talked where we talked about salvation and deliverance. I forget what number it is, but I listened to it today. But this particular subject I want to talk about now has to do with the word redemption and redeemed. Okay. Hmm. People from without a Hebraic understanding are always talking about that Jesus redeemed them from their sins. Redeemed them from their sins. And, and from a <laughs> Hebraic perspective, you're looking at me like, what? what yeah, I'm like... <laughs> From what sin is that? Yeah, it doesn't make sense, does it? No, not at all. Our people who are trying to make this transition from out of Christianity to the Hebrew way of, of, of thought, of understanding Scripture, need to understand the term redeemed, redeemed and redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely has it relates to being now, Hebraic. Yeah. We, we, we've talked about this. We've talked about this a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, first of all, redeemed you from what sin? Right. Specifically what? Because. You got a multiplicity of sins. If you don't know what sin is, mm -hmm. then you can't use a covering for something that you don't know what it is. That's right. I think that's the biggest kind of the di dichotomy that's happening again across the street is that there's, for me, when you ask the average Christian, what is sin? Now, with, that's with any question. They're going to get, you know, a plethora of answers. But when you have a Hebraic mind and you study the most high and you study the mitzvot, sin is very much articulated to you in a way that's clear. That you have no question asking, is it a sin? Is it an abomination to, in the eyes of the Most High? The Most High said, this I will not allow. And when you get across the street, it's kind of open for interpretation. Listen, listen. listen. 
listen, listen, listener, listen to me, listen to me. Sin is connected to the Father's mitzvahs, his commandments, and not the ten. There are, there are yeah. over yeah, way more. There are over six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs that the that the Father has written in Scripture. Mm-hmm. They reside in your King James Bible. You just have to know what they are and what to look for. Correct. Correct. How you find them is to ask yourself a question. What did the Most High say and what did he ask us to do? Correct. Simple as that. When you're reading along, what does the Most High, what does the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob ask Hebrew Israel to do? Now, there's something else you need to understand. That book and I've probably said it before. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to get tired of me hearing me say it. But you got to get it in your mind. Mm-hmm. The book of the Old Testament, for those of you that are acquainted with it, it's an Old Testament. For us that are Hebraic, it's a covenant. It's a Brit. It's the, the Torah, the writings, and the prophets, the prophets. Which, which we call uh, the Tanakh. We don't refer to it as an Old Testament because it's not old. That's right. It's very much still in play. Oh, it's very right much in now. <laughs> Let me tell you how much in play the Old Testament is. Right. We recognize that we are Hebrews in exile. Mm-hmm. And we are in this exile because of the actions of our ancestors. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Lamentations chapter 5 verse 7 just go and read it our ancestors who are not here have produced or I'm paraphrasing have provided this situation that we are in right exactly you've heard us say this over and over again Deuteronomies 28 15 <laughs> to 68 and not only there other verses of scripture in the Torah identify why Israel is in exile and is getting her butt whooping. That's Old Testament, but it's not old. It's current events. Current events. Yeah. You know where I thought you was going to go with this? Hmm. A little bit. I thought you was going to say, listen, you know, all that. Well, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Because I don't know. You may hit on it later on. <laughs> I don't want to give it up, but go ahead. Now, so I've been redeemed. We talk about you've been redeemed, but the question is, still redeemed from what? Right, right. Now, we have to answer the question. I have before, but I need to do it again. Every pastor, teacher, of scripture, I don't care where they are, who they are, you will ask, what is sin? They will tell you that sin, if they know, sin is missing the mark. Missing the mark, yeah. You got to know what that mark is. But they don't tell you what the mark is. Now, Shaul, which is Paul, Mm -hmm. for you 
New Testament Greek reading people, he said, I press toward the mark of the prize which he claimed resided in Christ Jesus. But he says, I press for the mark. Mm -hmm. But even if he's pressing for the mark that resides in Christ Jesus, he still doesn't tell you what the mark is. That's correct. That's correct. So again, it goes back to that statement. It's open to interpretation on what that is. It's not definitive. And then, oh boy, never mind. The mark happens to be Torah because Torah and the mitzvot are the only document where the Most High speaks and he tells us definitively what a sin is. Correct. Correct. This is what angers me. This is what I will not tolerate. And it's enumerated. They're enumerated. They're, 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 they're enumerated. A whole book dedicated to now, him called, called Leviticus. Now, now here's, here's the other part to this that we got to get up front. You say that Jesus Christ redeemed you from your sins by dying on a cross. Well, let's see what the Most High says about that. In the book of Davarim, Devarim, Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse number 16. We're going we're gonna to lay two scriptures as a foundation for this discussion. Mm-hmm. Fathers are not to be executed for the children, nor are the children to be executed for the fathers, period. Mm. Every person will be executed for his own sin. Mm. <sighs> Let me read again. Fathers are not to be executed for the children, nor children to be executed for the fathers. Every person will be executed for his own sin. You know what? Can I do something real quick? Yeah, sure. Back in your Pentecostal days, how would you spiritualize that and turn that on its ear to make it make sense? Because right now what we're discussing is an issue of a, a Hebraic foundational issue that has nothing to do with what's going on across the street. So Back. somehow you got to reconcile the two because we're looking at it from a standpoint of having it be logical and make sense in the confines of what the Most High has said. So what the Most High has said there, when you violate one of the commandments that carry the death penalty, nobody can go to a cross, nobody can die in your place. You will die for your own sin. Correct. That's what he said. Right. It's responsibility for your actions, yes. Absolutely. Back in my days in the Pentecostal Apostolic Church, this was never a thought. Mm, okay. Okay. It never crossed our minds. Why? Because we we really didn't know mm. what the commandments of the Most High were other than what 
was posed in Exodus chapter 20, which are not commandments at all. Mm-hmm. Right. That's correct. <laughs> right. I mean, so we refer to the Ten Commandments as though that was it. Right. Which they're, they're not. Like which they're not. They're, they're just the utterances. That's yes. what he spoke to them. Ten Exodus, commandments somewhere Exodus else. Exodus chapter 20 happens to be the the wedding vows that the Most High spoke over his wife, Israel. Mm-hmm. This is what I want of you. Do you accept my invitation? Yeah. It's called, in the Hebrew, it's called a ketabon. Yeah. It's the marriage contract. The marriage contract. So if I think you could go to uh, Shemot chapter 34 is where you will actually find the Ten Commandments. Uh, somebody's got to fact check not me Exodus. on Exodus. Not Exodus? Not, not, not Exodus 34, Deuteronomy 34. No, I think it's an Exodus. Yeah, yeah. Let's go check, the fact check me now. See, this is what we do. Exodus. If you're going to bring it up, we got we to gotta fact, fact check it. Exodus thir- 34. 34. 34. And, and, my, and this, what? Let's just go 34 and 1. It should be talking about, where is it? Moshe cut his up two tablets. Yeah, oh, keep yeah, going yeah, down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Matter you're, of fact, yeah, if you go down to 28, 34 yeah. and 28. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. What does it say right. there in 20? You're right. Okay, all right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. But in there, Exodus chapter 34, beginning at verse number 1. The Most High speaks to Israel and gives them certain commandments. What's in what what is here in Exodus thirty four is different than what's in Exodus chapter twenty, because they are specific to commandments. You shall observe. You shall observe. You shall observe. You shall do. So, okay, now, let's get somewhere. Let me, let me get back to where I was. Okay. Now, if we look at Ezekiel. Ah, the prophet. Yes. Six and six. With the same thought that we just read in Davarim about the father's not paying for the sons. The son's not paying the father. Every man shall be executed for his old sin. Let's hear what the prophet has to say in uh, Ezekiel 6 and... No, I don't want this. I want 18 and 20. Excuse me. Ezekiel 18 and 20. Mm. It's a good prophet. Very good prophet. These guys it? like to, you know. Oh, my goodness. Okay, hold on. I got to get it. I got to get it. Ezekiel 18 and 20. Now, these are guys that are very astute about when they're talking, they're talking about the the mitzvot that have been articulated to Moshe to tell to their children of Israel. So they reflect a lot Okay, on these writings. Here's Ezekiel 18 and 20. He says, the person who sins is the one that will die. Hmm. A son is not to bear his father's guilt with him, nor is the father to bear his son's guilt with him. But the righteous of the right the righteousness of the righteous will be his own, and the wickedness of the wicked will be his own. 
Right. Now, here's my question. Okay. All right. With that statement being made, can Jesus Christ die for your sins? No. Cannot. By way of what you just read, definitively, and, and, no. And in, in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, the Most High is speaking to Mashe to tell the children of Israel. This is how it's going to be. In Ezekiel, the Most High is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, and he's telling him how it's going to be. So how does a person spring up and claim to be the one who can die for your sins? He can't die for your sins. Right. According to the Most High, that is impossible. So out of that Christian narrative, you're talking about, oh, I love Jesus because he died for my sins. He can't. That's right. <laughs> he can't. According to the words of the Most High, he can't. And if you say that the Most High, I mean that Jesus Christ has redeemed you from the law, of sin and death, uh, that's not going to work either. Uh, right. Because I'm getting ready to tell you something about redemption, and I want mm. you to I want you to to write this down. Mm. Okay? I'm right to write this down. Redemption by the most high is quantitative. Correct. Yes. You can enumerate it. it. Yeah. It's, it's quantitative. You don't have to ask a question, well, what did he redeem me from? Well, what did he redeem me from? Gee, my sins. I don't know. Which one? How many? Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know? No. When the Most High talks about redemption, it's quantitative. So, Jesus Christ cannot redeem you from your sins because it's not quantitative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Then he said to his disciples, he says, take this message. And then I'm looking, I'm trying to figure out what message to the lost sheep of Israel. Take this gospel to the lost sheep of Israel. What message? What message are you taking to the lost sheep of Israel? Right. Because the message that the Most High has given to the lost sheep of Israel it is their restoration back into the family, which was divided. Correct. Correct. You're dealing with a people that have... The northern kingdom yeah. and the southern kingdom were divided. Right. Ten tribes to the north, two to the south. Right. And Jesus Christ's death did not satisfy the action to restore the northern and the southern kingdom. Correct. Very correct. That's very true. It's very true. So, now, so, now, let's, 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 let's hear this again. Let's hear it again. Can, they, can the plaintiff call a witness now? Or are we not there yet? They're going to call a witness. They're going to call a witness yet? You're making a strong argument here. <laughs> a person who sins is the one that will die. A son is not to bear his father's guilt with him, nor 
is the father to bear his son's guilt with him, but the righteousness of the righteousness will be his own, and the wickedness of the wickedness will be his own. Ezekiel chapters, chapter 18, verses 20. I mean, that's ironclad. That, you have to do some mental gymnastics across the street to really throw that out. How do you throw that out? You don't. You don't. Now, now let's, let's, let's look at this word, at this issue of redemption. Of redeem. Let's, go to e, e, let's go back to Exodus mm. chapter 6 and verse 6. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am Yahweh. I will free you from forced labor of the Egyptians rescue you from their oppression and redeem you with an outstretched arm with great judgments. Mm. That's quantitative. That's right. That's right. You don't have to ask, redeem from what? I'm going to redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a great judgment. I'm going to redeem you from what? I'm going to redeem you from the oppression. I'm going to rescue you from the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. That's quantitative. Yeah, it's specific on what I'm redeeming you from. Yes. Now, let's let's go let's go somewhere else. Let's go somewhere. Let's go to let's go to Leviticus. Uh, I think it's twenty five twenty nine. Leviticus twenty five and twenty nine. Twenty five and twenty. So let me just make sure that for clarity's sake. Sure. What you're trying to prove is that, again, and you said it a second ago, is that the Most High is not redeeming you from sin. No. Is that it's not in the Most High's program to redeem you from sin because there is a consequence that comes from that. If I'm going to redeem you from something, it's going to be something that I'm going to specifically tell you that I'm going to take you from. And it's always about the group of people. Right? Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, let me get the the scripture text right. All right. It's Leviticus chapter 25 and verse number 26. Leviticus 25 and verse 26. He says, but let's read up a little bit. Let me, let's, let's read up a little bit. Let's start, let's start with verse 23. The, the land is not to be sold in perpetuity because the land belongs to me. You are only foreigners and temporary residents with me. Therefore, when you sell your property, you must include the right of redemption. Mm. Quantitative, land, redemption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is, if one of you becomes poor and sells some of his property, his next of kin can come and buy back what his relative sold. If the seller has no one to redeem it, but becomes rich enough to redeem it himself, he may calculate the number of years the land was sold for refund, for, sold for, refund the excess to its buyer and return its property. 
the language has nothing at all to do with anybody's sin. Right, right. It's quantitative, mm-hmm. once again, in relationship to property and land. Right. And can I be so bold as to say that, that you can see that in play when you get over to the book of Ruth? And Boaz has this issue of, matter of fact, he goes to one of the elders because the individuals that Naomi was married, that the, her husband had died, and they had this issue of dealing with the with the land. But the, it went through this whole entire process right, and tour. Come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> and what's it? And what's it called? It's called redeeming. Is what it is. But it's, it's called kindred redemption. Yeah, there's a specific. Yeah, thank you. It's called kindred redemption. Mm-hmm. That says that if my kin becomes too poor to redeem something that belonged to him, it goes, then I, as his kindred redeemer, can go and redeem that property in his name and bring that property back. Right. Into the family. Right. Got nothing to do with <laughs> right, sin. Right, right. It's got nothing to do with anybody being your kindred redeemer. Jesus Christ is not your kindred redeemer. You did not lose any land to him. Mm-hmm. You did not lose any property to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. I can hear him now. You did not lose <laughs> any cattle to him. That's right. That's right. <sighs> See, it's quantitative. Scripture takes on a whole nother different light when you when now, you look at it in its proper context. So we have we have Ruth and her situation mm-hmm. and the kindred redeemer in relationship to what? Land. Correct. Property. Correct. Let's go to Numbers 3 and 44. 3 and 44. Numbers. By Midbar. By Midbar, yes. We'll In the wilderness. We'll, That's we'll what that stands start, for. We'll probably start a little er, a little earlier than that. Mm-hmm. No, we'll start at verse 44. All right. Yahweh said to Mashe, mm-hmm. Moses, take the levium in place of all the firstborn among the people of Israel and the cattle of the levium and place in place of their cattle. Period. The Levium are to belong to me, Yahweh. Since there were 273 more firstborn males from Israel than mm-hmm. male Levium in order to redeem them, you are to take five shekels, two ounces for each of these, use the sanctuary shekel, which is equal to 20 garas, Give the redemption money for these extra people to Aaron and his sons. Mashe took the redemption money from those who were who were over and above those redeemed by the Levium. The amount of money he took from the firstborn of the people of Israel was one thousand three hundred and sixty-five seconds used in the sanctuary. Mashe gave the redemption money to Aaron his son. In keeping with what Yahweh had said as Yahweh had ordered. I just read you. Right. Redeem and redemption process that has nothing at all to do with anybody's sin. That's right. That's a that's an issue of the census. That's an issue of reconciling the 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 firstborn 
that has nothing to do with sin at all. It's quantitative. Mm -hmm. So you can't continue to go on listening to people talking about scriptorial things that they don't have a clue about because they haven't studied the Hebrew text and you cannot study and understand the Hebrew text with a Greek influence. It's poison. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're not going to get there. Right. It almost seems like what, is this true? This is, is this a true statement? I'm asking the question. It almost seems like what people are doing is saying, oh, I want to propagate this ID, ID, ideology of being redeemed. And so I'm just going to go look for wherever it says redeem, redeemed in the Old Testament to kind of support the narrative that says, says redeemed here and then spiritualize it and try to turn it into something that it's not. Read the text every time the Most High or the prophets talk about redeemed and redemption is quantitative. The Most High said to Israel, out of all the places that I have dispersed you into the four corners of the world, I'm going to redeem you. In other words, I'm going to bring you back from all those places and I'm going to redeem you back into the land. Mm. I'm going to bring you back into the land. That's good. That's good. It's quantitative. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with sin. Right. No, that's good. I'm, I'm glad we covered this because this is like a foundational thing that we all need to understand that that when it comes time for, like you said, when the, so, when the Most High redeems us, yeah. what that means. So when somebody says, Jesus Christ redeemed me from my sins, that's not quantitative. Right. He can't. Because you don't know what sin is. You're thinking that he redeemed you from lying. He redeemed you from carousing. He could redeem you from, from, from being a dope addict. Oh, yeah. That's those, those are systemic issues that are germane to a moral issue. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> right. Sin is breaking what any one of the commandments that the Most High has given to Israel. Now, I want to tell you something else. I okay. Get this in your mind. Get this in your mind. What I'm telling you is not for the nations. Very true. It's directed, all that I'm telling you tonight is not directed at the nations. It's directed at Hebrew Israel. Right. And if the nations want to be a part of it, then they have to abide by the rules of the house of the one who owns a house, who rules the house, whose name is Yahweh, who mm -hmm. is the king, who is the redeemer, mm -hmm. who is, who is, who is everything. And he said, there is nobody else beside me. If I say something, mm -hmm. there is no one who can deliver you out of my hands. So if you sin, and the Most High produces judgment. There's nobody can come along and die for you to take you out of his out of his hand. That's right. You're gonna die because the Most High said so. That's right. That's and Jesus right. Christ can't counter that. That's right. Right. I mean, this is iron. I'm sorry. Iron I, 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 I mean. <laughs> I'm sorry, and I'm not sorry that I gotta come at you this way. But I have to, because we're dealing with something. That really makes the most high angry. Mm -hmm. And that's the worship of idols.
idolatry. Mm-hmm. He hates it. Yeah. His spirit flares up. He gets real hot at idolatry. And the reason why we are in this exile it's is because tough. of idolatry. That's and right. you can't keep worshiping a guy who cannot save you and cannot die for your sins and cannot redeem you. If I'm preaching, I'm sorry, but I got to preach to you right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Read your history book. That's right. Genesis to Malachi or Genesis, Second Chronicles. Read that. Take the other side and put it aside. Let your mind flow with the Hebraic understanding. Disassociate yourself from Greek stuff and listen and allow the spirit of the Most High hear what the spirit of the Most High is saying to you. Open your heart and hear. This has been Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. This has been Hebrews, Hebrews in, in Exile. Exile. Shalom. Shalom.